0: The Lions of Liberty Podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Hey there, Liberty nerds. Welcome back to the Lions of Liberty Podcast, the show that is normally your home to great conversations about the ideas of liberty. Now, today's show, it's going to be a little bit different. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, I want to remind you, you can find the show notes for today's show, which is episode number 205, over at lionsofliberty.com slash 205. And that's where I'll post links to everything I discuss in today's show. And that's right. I use the term I, not we, because in today's show, I don't have any guests. I don't have somebody here having a conversation with me. You know, over the last 200 episodes plus, you've heard me interview all sorts of great names in the Liberty Movement. Guys like Tom Woods, Lou Rockwell, even Dr. Ron Paul himself in episode 200. A man that in many ways inspired the formation of LionsofLiberty.com with myself, John Odermatt, Brian McWilliams, and our good friend Dom Sedoti which eventually turned into this podcast that you're listening to now. So it's been a really great vehicle for being able to speak to so many great intellectual leaders in the liberty movement. I've also hosted a slew of roundtable discussions featuring fellow Lions of Liberty, discussing all sorts of things from the latest political debates, uh, current events, you name it. We talk about everything here at Lions of Liberty, but today we're going to have a little bit of a different format. Today is not going to feature any of that stuff. Today, it's just going to be me. The one and only, your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire, speaking directly to you, or at least directly to this microphone, and then after it gets translated through some computer stuff ends up in your earbuds. And you know, this might be a crazy idea. In fact, I really have no idea how this little experiment is going to turn out. But there's a reason that I wanted to do this. And first, let me just say that podcasting and trying to find my voice through podcasting has been an extremely challenging and an extremely rewarding experience. I mean, how cool is it that I've been able to have conversations with guys like Ron Paul, with guys like Tom Woods, you know, guys that most of us just read articles from or, or, you know, listen to their podcasts. Suddenly I find myself speaking to these people. It's been a a tremendous experience to do that. But, you know, if you go back and listen to episode one, which, of course, I'll post in the show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash 205. And and I, I may regret telling you to do this, but if you do go back and listen to episode one, you'll hear the fact that this does not come naturally to me. You know, it can be a challenge to interview someone and have a conversation with them and at the same time be reacting and forming your own thoughts and follow up questions all on the fly. And I'll admit that even after 200 plus episodes, it is a work in progress. And to this day, I often struggle to find my voice and to properly express my beliefs, especially just in the middle of an interview. And that's why I'll often do sort of a little end rant, a little wrap up after the end of things. But even doing that, sometimes I can go back and listen to an episode and and I'll hear little bites. I'll hear little sound bites that I said where I think, man, that's not really, I didn't come across exactly how I meant it to sound. And geez, I wonder what other people are thinking. And then I'll, I'll kind of forget about it and move on. And it can be difficult because I'm trying to do something a little bit tricky here. I'm trying to talk to essentially two different audiences at the same time. I'm like Rand Paul. (laughs) I'm trying to talk to neocons and like hardcore anti-war libertarians all at once, right? What I'm trying to do is talk to a regular, already buying into it libertarians who hold strongly in the beliefs that they've learned from people like Ron Paul, from people like Tom Woods. At the same time, I'm trying to interest new people in these ideas— I'm trying to speak to them as regular human beings, not as uh, liberty nerds, which I consider myself one. So it can be a difficult thing to do, and often that will come through in the language I use. Sometimes I'll, I'll use certain language, and I'll be kind of thinking of one of those groups, whereas the other group might hear that language and go, wait, I don't understand that. Or it might even upset them and say, wait, what? What did he mean by that? That didn't sound like a very libertarian statement. So that's the kind of predicament I sometimes end up finding myself in when I do try to sort of walk this line. And sometimes I'll go back and listen and realize, well, maybe I need to try to clarify some things. And that's the predicament I find myself in today after last week's interview with Dr. Mark Edwards, episode 203. Now, obviously, you can go back, give that thing a listen. If you haven't heard it already, tick back in your iTunes feed or head over to the podcast archive, of Liberty. .com/podcast and if you go back and listen to that interview now Dr. Edwards is not a libertarian he's not really a political animal in terms of having some you know Democrat or Republican predisposed political agenda. He's just someone who wants to do what's right, and he found himself in that situation where he could help uncover this Flint water crisis, the poisoning of the water in Flint, Michigan, and he was able to help uncover that. Again, you can hear the whole story by listening to that episode, but you know, I wasn't really coming at this from a political angle, Uh, even though there obviously are political implications. What I really did want to hear was Dr. Edwards' own version of this story, uh, of his battles with the EPA and the CDC and that sort of thing. And, and I really wanted to get beyond the traditional methods of thinking about politics. I didn't want to come at this from looking at it from a, a right or left perspective. I mean, that that's how I try to look at all these issues, not from a right or left perspective, but from a, a moral perspective and from a right or wrong perspective. And in Dr. Edwards' case, he saw something that was clearly wrong. He saw easily identifiable problem and something that could have been predicted where a corrosive was not used in the water. There was something that everyone, any expert would have known was going to happen in Flint, Michigan, if they had been paying attention, but they hadn't been paying attention. And in fact, watchdog agencies like the EPA and the CDC were actually looking the other way, despite evidence that should have pointed to them to say that this is wrong, that this water in Flint will be poisoned if you don't follow steps X, Y, Z. And I can tell you, Dr. Edwards did not come on the show to push a political agenda of any kind. Uh, Dr. Edwards simply wanted to tell his story after I reached out to him and thinking he was an absolutely inspiring person, and, and he really is. Uh, to me, Dr. Mark Edwards is someone who is a hero. He's the kind of person that we need in society uh, regardless, again, regardless of our thoughts on politics, on government, and that sort of thing. We need good, strong, ethical people in our world, and and Dr. Edwards, with his course on heroism that he teaches at Virginia Tech, he's somebody that is actually trying to create more heroic individuals. Uh, like himself, and we need to see a lot more of, of that type of ethic. the uh, the type of ethic that says I'm not afraid to stand up and shout this is wrong, uh, even when it might cost you millions of dollars. Like it did Dr. Edwards, it cost him millions of funding and research, and it cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars of personal money. This is not money given to him by a government organization. Now he actually had to put up his own personal time and money to really, at no benefit to himself whatsoever to protect people and to point out that a tremendous injustice had occurred and to try to help correct it. Now, in the course of this conversation, as I alluded to earlier, and in the course of my sort of trying to walk this line where I'm talking to two different audiences in a way, and when I'm talking to Dr. Edwards, who is not a libertarian, who is not really politically motivated, well, I end up saying some things that I didn't exactly come across correctly. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to hit on a couple of those points, both points made by Dr. Edwards and things that I myself said during that interview and try to clarify where I was coming from and and where I kind of think he was coming from as well. So the first clip you're going to hear is actually something that Dr. Edwards said. We have to put aside our political ideologies and say, look, uh, yeah, you can have these grandiose visions and philosophies. Now, right there, right there, it sounds like Dr. Edwards is basically dismissing any sort of political ideology or political philosophy. And anyone who's listened to this program for over 200 episodes will know that I certainly do have a political philosophy. (laughs) I certainly do have what some might even call grandiose visions. So why wasn't I taken aback by this statement? A lot of people were probably thinking, wait, what do you mean, forget political ideologies? And yet I I sort of let it go. Not only did I let it go, but I actually sort of ended up agreeing with him. And uh, we'll we'll play that before I get into things. It's a great point you make, Dr. Edwards, about putting political philosophies aside because, you know, there's a certain type of person who most likely listens to a show like this. There's also a certain type of person who might hate a show like this because of the political slant that we come from here, typically. However, I think both sides of those people, not that it's as simple as two different sides, but any side of the political spectrum, I believe, if they hear this story and get this story out there, will be horrified and shocked and be able to all agree that what's going on in these agencies and and with the situation in Flint, with what we saw in D.C., this is clearly unethical. So on things like this, we should all be able to sort of put our, our grandiose visions aside And actually get down to a true philosophy, a philosophy that promotes ethical cultures in whatever our institutions may be. Boom, right there. Okay, many of you listened to that and thought, what the hell is this guy talking about? (laughs) Putting political ideologies aside, putting political philosophy aside, well, that's what this whole show is about. How can you just say that we should put that aside? And I can completely understand how someone would listen to that and think that and think, wait, what's wrong with, you know, with having a grandiose vision of a more free society? What's wrong with pointing out that coercively funded institutions like the EPA or the CDC are not going to be held accountable to taxpayers who are forced to continue paying into these services, quote services, whether they want them or not, whether they're actually protecting them from poisoning as they say that they're there to do or not? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's what we should be doing. But I want you guys to think back a second to that little tightrope I was talking about that I've been trying to walk between the two different audiences, the people that are already ideologically libertarian and have a firm belief in you know, free markets, individual rights, and all these wonderful things. And that other audience, the audience that maybe hasn't defined their political views, or maybe they're more mainstream Democrat or Republican. Now, that's sort of the audience I was talking to at that moment. You know, because to me, when we're talking about grandiose visions and political philosophies and and sort of the man on the street or someone that's not that political, the way they're going to see that is in that sort of Democrat versus Republican Big government versus small government. You know, the the classic political paradigms that we've grown up hearing our whole lives, that we've been pegged to our whole lives. That's what most people are thinking when they hear the term political ideology. At least that's the way I see things. So I was kind of trying to be on that side of things at that moment. In my mind, I, I was thinking, you know, let's not have these political arguments that we always have, like Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders. Let's get away from that stuff and just point to something, a clear injustice, something that everybody, no matter what their predisposed views are, can definitely see that this is wrong. Now, from my point of view, a moment like that is a great time to then incorporate your political ideologies once you've informed people, once you've sort of shown people that this is wrong and everyone can agree that we have this common ethic, that yes, it's wrong to lie. It's wrong to allow children to be poisoned uh, through just complete and utter negligence. That's wrong. Now, libertarians might have reasoning for that and very good reasoning for why the way our government is structured coercively and the way that these agencies are funded and the way they operate is going to inevitably lead to things like that. And I completely understand why why we wouldn't want to brush that aside. Uh, However, it just wasn't the scope of what I was trying to do in, in this particular interview. Now, at the same time, we can't just pretend that bad actors only exist in government. That's just not the case. Now, bad actors work for private companies and do terrible things all the time. And it's certainly true that when these bad actors commit a bad act in a true free market, something that I must point out we really don't have in this country in any way, shape, or form. But yes, when bad actors commit these bad acts on a truly free market, there's no way these companies would actually stay in business. You know, if if an actual free market water company that had competition poisoned a city, you never hear from that company again. Fact. So there's nothing wrong with pointing this out and with having this conversation. There's also nothing wrong with pointing out that coercively funded agencies like the EPA, the CDC, the uh, local water monopolies are not going to be held accountable to the taxpayer. You know, something that Dr. Edwards was pushing as something that we need to find a way to do to hold these people accountable for our tax money and for what they're doing with it. Now, I didn't dig deeper into how we actually do that because, again, it wasn't the scope of that particular interview. And I also didn't want it to come across like I brought him onto the show to lecture him about free markets and libertarian ideology, because it wasn't why I brought him on the show at all. And honestly, I'm going to try to keep doing shows like this where I bring on guests who aren't necessarily political libertarians and have conversations that aren't necessarily centered solely around libertarian concepts. And that's because I think there are a lot of valuable insights we can gain from people even when they don't necessarily share our point of view. Now, when it comes to ideology, there are a couple of definitions. If you pull up Merriam-Webster dictionary, you can pull it up right online and type in ideology. And, And the first definition is this the set of ideas and beliefs of a group or political party and this is the definition that i had in mind when i and i sort of agree with dr edwards dismissal of political philosophies the the very surface level ideologies that Aren't really grounded in any sort of consistent rational principles, and consistent rational principles are exactly what I strive to hold, and that's why the modern political paradigm, the modern political parties, don't really hold much value for me. So in that case, I was happy to dismiss them if, when that's what I thought that Dr. Edwards was referring to. Now, if you continue on, if you're if you're playing the home game and you've got your Marion Webster pulled up, there are a couple further definitions for ideology, and and here's a couple of them. A a systematic body of concepts, especially about human life or culture. B, a manner or the content of thinking characteristic of an individual, group, or culture. C, the integrated assertions, theories, and aims that constitute a socio-political program. Now, okay, under these definitions of ideology, you can't really even avoid having an ideology if you are participating in a political discussion at all. You know, When we talk about right or wrong, we are really talking about ideology in that sense. When is it right to use force on other individuals? I would say not very often. Only when they pose a threat to another individual or violate the rights of another. That is an ideological conversation. All of this, every single episode of this show is an ideological conversation. So I was certainly incorrect to quickly just brush aside the concept of political ideologies, even though that really wasn't my intent uh, whatsoever. My intent is to push political ideologies to discuss political philosophies, because if we don't have a philosophy that's based in reason, that's based in rational thought, that strives to be consistent, well, then we ain't got nothing and we're just kind of shooting at the the hip and and seeing what what quote unquote works well that's how we get the flints in the first place taking that sort of utilitarian kind of view we'll see what works well that's how people die that's how people get poisoned now the governor of michigan wanted to save some money and see what worked and what he saw was the poisoning of an entire city that's what happens when you just see what works so we have to realize when dr mark edwards is on this program talking about right and wrong, and talking about the immoral people in these government agencies that allow the poisoning of the water in Flint, Michigan, he too is talking about ideology. He too is talking philosophically. Because that's how you arrive at the concepts of right and wrong in the first place. That is philosophy. And when we apply our ideology to the political realm, well then we really are practicing political philosophy. We are attempting to apply our ethics to the body politic. So yes, at the end of the day, I was wrong to eschew concepts of political philosophy and to eschew grandiose visions. Because guess what? I have a grandiose vision. I have a lot of them. I have a grandiose vision of a world where there's no such thing as a war on drugs. I have a grandiose vision of a world where there's no such thing as patents. I have a grandiose vision of a world with no FDA. Or at the very least an FDA that does nothing more than than prosecute fraud and actual go after actual criminals instead of what it is now. A coercive agency that prevents people from getting medicine that they need, that props up medical cartels. This is me doing it right now, guys. I'm applying political ideology. (laughs) So, of course, it was silly for me to even even imply that we might eschew these things because that's really not what I meant. And I am willing to dedicate an entire episode of this program to eating my own crow on this one. But wait, there's more. (laughs) It gets worse. Or it gets different. Because there's a couple other statements I want to clarify. Here's another little nugget from my end rant of the show. Now, we can talk about libertarian philosophy all we want. We can talk about the intricacies of how we believe government should work, or lack of government perhaps. But... All that stuff doesn't really matter if we don't have an ethical, rational population. Now, obviously, I do find value in discussing the intricacies of libertarian philosophy. Again, that's why I've done over 200 episodes of a program that does exactly that. This entire show is based around the intricacies of libertarian philosophy. But when I say that those intricacies don't really matter unless we have a a rational, ethical population— well, what I really mean is that the very specifics, you know, the, the, the explicit breakdowns of how, say, anarcho-capitalists might describe an insurance system or this, even the specific breakdowns of uh, a minarchist's preferred role of government, these kind of things, these details, they're important conversations to have, but if they're not based on a, a common morality first, you know, if you don't have a rational ethic that all of this is based on, it doesn't really matter what structure you, your society organizes itself in. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the insurance companies or the government or whoever enforces the rule of law in any given society, whatever method this is done through, if you have an immoral population, you're going to have immoral results. It's that simple. Even the structure of the United States today, we have towns that are parts of states, states that are parts of the federal government, and they all have interrelated relationships with each other. Now, we're opposed to it for good reasons, because these governments are not really based on private property. They are not based on individual rights. They are not based on consent of the governed. But imagine if they were. Imagine if every town was literally composed of legitimately acquired private property. Imagine if every town decided to contract out to a higher state for some services. Imagine if all those states legitimately contracted out to a federal government to provide a greater level of security or dispute resolution it's kind of the same way a lot of anarcho-capitalists lay out their ideas for insurance companies if you really think about it it's not all that different the main difference in today's society is that like i said it's not based on private property it's not based on consent but it's not the structure that's terrible it's the lack of a rational moral ethical basis for the entire system When our population doesn't understand individual rights, when our population doesn't respect property rights or really think too deeply about the concept, when our population doesn't really oppose coercive funding of government agencies to oversee their public utilities, when the population doesn't oppose these things, we're going to get the bad results that we saw in Flint, Michigan. Dr. Edwards even said that almost every major American city probably has a lead problem. Think about that for a minute. Almost every major American city has poisoned water. Is that because government was too big? Government wasn't big enough? No, I think it's deeper than that. I really do. I think that these governmental systems we see are the result of bad ethics, are a result of a population that largely is not taught to be ethical, is not taught to be heroic, is not taught the difference between right and wrong. Maybe we are in kindergarten. Maybe we're, ta- we're taught not to steal Jimmy's stuff, steal his little toy engine in, in preschool. But then we're not taught to continue to think rationally and to apply these same ethics to our body politic later in life. We're taught that it's great to throw, throw people in jail for owning a marijuana plant. It's only when the base ethics, the base philosophy of the population really starts to change that the systems will then follow, that the systems will become non-coercive, that we'll get better results, that people will be held accountable for crimes when they do occur, when a city is poisoned, people will go to jail, their company, their state, their whatever will go out of business. But I firmly believe we'll only see this kind of systemic change when the population's ethics change. When people begin thinking rationally. When we are able to develop a true movement of reason and liberty. Because one leads to the other, my friends. If we think rationally, we become led to the ideas of individual liberty. That's what we need to focus on. That's why I do this show. That's why I spent 20-some-odd minutes just ranting and raving and trying to sort of correct and clarify some of the statements I made because I do think words are important. And when I see that some of my words could be taken the way I didn't mean them, and when that's partially my fault... I'm more than happy to come and address them. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about this format. There's only one way I can know, and that's by getting feedback from you guys, and there's a lot of ways you can provide feedback. You can join our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your little search bar on Facebook, or we'll, of course, link to it in the show notes for today's show as well, again, at lionsofliberty.com slash 205. You can also email me, Mark M A R C. Do not put a K in there, guys. Come on. Mark M A R C at lionsofliberty.com. You can also tweet to us find us at the twitter at lions of liberty Uh, of course as well our main facebook page facebook.com slash lions of liberty you can message us there as as well so many ways you can give us feedback and, and let me know was i just full of it today was i just rambling for no reason did i make any valid points did i get you thinking about anything differently am i completely wrong Whatever you think, I want to hear about it. I want to make this a conversation, not just a platform where I dictate to you how things are, even though that's kind of what the show was today. Uh, but I do always appreciate your feedback. I appreciate you guys being here and, and being with me on this journey to advance the ideas of liberty, to break this stuff down, and part of that might even be having to come on and eat a little crow and try to take back some of my words sometimes, or, or at least try to straighten them out. So I was... Hopefully at least somewhat successful in my attempts to do that. If you do enjoy this program, there are so many ways you can easily help us out. Number one being to simply share the show with your friends, with your family. And despite some of my verbal indiscretions, I actually think the interview I did with Dr. Mark Edwards is a really good one to share with your friends and family for that same reason. Because it's not hyper-political in the sense of coming across as dogmatically Democrat or Republican or, or really having an agenda. It's just a good story about a great man who did a great thing and who is an ethical, heroic person, even if he doesn't maybe share my exact f- philosophical view or hasn't really thought about things in the same way. The fact is, it's a great tale and, and something that everybody really needs to hear to find out what really did happen in Flint. And it's, the, it's that kind of story that I think can bring people together and, and get them into this conversation so we can discuss our political ideologies, so we can really get at the heart of these issues and, and hopefully see some actual change. Another very, very easy thing you can do to help this show out is to head over to iTunes or Stitcher and hit that subscribe button if you don't already subscribe through those channels. Same thing with our YouTube channel. Head over to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. All those subscription numbers really help get boost the show up and get that thing in front of more people. So the more of the actual subscriptions, even if you don't subscribe to listen, that helps us out a lot. Of course, if you can also leave us a five-star rating and a great review on iTunes, on Stitcher. These are all simple, simple ways you can help this show out at no cost to yourself. You can also shop through our Amazon affiliate link, lionsofliberty.com slash Click on that link, bookmark it, do all your Amazon shopping through there. It'll help us get a little kickback. Keep the lights on here in the Lions of Liberty Studios at no extra cost to yourself. Now, I hope you guys aren't sick of me yet, because this coming Friday, I'm going to be John Odermatt's guest on Felony Friday. His weekly look at the broken criminal justice system. We'll be taking a look at a few felony-related cases and maybe play a little game called Is It a Crime? And Should Anybody Do Time? And we'll get back to our regular format next week with some more great interviews and some more great conversations about the ideas of liberty. Until then, folks, live long! And live free.